0: Episode thirteen. <laughs> we are here. I hope that didn't hurt anybody's ears. Just now, we'll put a gate on that so it won't be too loud. Mike, how you doing, man? I am great. Hey, it was been a good. It's been. It's been a good weekend. Uh, the sun was shining and all that stuff. You, uh, you feel good, man? I, I know feel- you've. Last last week, you talked about uh, some housework you had to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So things been going well for you?
1: Little by little, all we right. have. Uh, we actually. Uh, inventoried everything we need to get done. Okay. And uh, we have a big outdoor list and a big indoor list. And so we're hammering out outdoor stuff a little bit every week while our renters are still there and they're going to move out at the okay. end of the month. Wow. And then we will just start spending a lot of time inside. we are got to paint and we're going to recarpet some things and, fix some things, change lights, change light fixtures. I mean, I could just go on and on. It's just little stuff. It sounds
0: like there is a lot going on just in your own personal life, but there's also a lot happening here at Valley Christian Fellowship. I'm excited to talk about that a little bit. I just realized that I just assumed that people who are listening to us know who we are. Maybe I should take a moment to introduce (laughs) ourselves. Maybe. Maybe. Hey, if you're listening for the first time, uh, my name is Andrew and with me is Mike Freeman. That's right. And we are uh, the pastors at Valley Christian Fellowship. That's right. And, uh, you know, I'm excited that we are on episode 13. We've we've been doing this for essentially three months, actually longer, but we took a month off on accident. And, and But we've been talking about a lot of different things, and we've been talking about the nine marks of a healthy church. Yeah. We've been going through that book, and today we're actually finally on mark number three. Mm -hmm. Right. But before we jump in on that, I do want to just recap some of the cool things that have been happening here at Valley. Last week, uh, at the time of our previous recording, we were getting ready for National Night Out. Mike, you and I were both able to attend that. Yes, we were. So what what would you say was uh, a win for us?
1: Yeah, so if our listeners aren't familiar with National Night Out, we talked about it a little bit last week, but it's basically an event held the uh, the first Tuesday in August, and it's a national event where law enforcement come and they meet with the community and they just kind of have kind of like a just a, a community gathering. There's lots of tables and lots of different organizations being represented, but it's really about Longview Law Enforcement being there and being a positive presence. And so you can bring your kids, they get to see police officers, they get to talk to them in a way that is not engaging, really recognizing that law enforcement is there to serve and protect—not exactly. something that we should be afraid of, but actually something we should support and, yeah. And as a church, we should pray for. And so, Valley last year we had the opportunity to do setup and tear down. This year we got to expand that and hand out um, guides on how to prepare for a disaster, yep. Yep. and also partner with disaster relief who yeah. came and they handed out free dinners of uh, hot dogs and chips so and whatnot. Yeah. But they were they were not like the cheap like. You know, you get a, a hundred hot dogs for like five bucks. Right. They were the the same hot dogs they sell sell at Safeco Field where the Mariners play. Yeah, actually, it's T-Mobile Park now, but it's uh, those Cloverfield hot dogs that are yeah really the Cloverdale good. Hot, yeah Cloverdale. C- yeah. We
0: actually have, I think we still have uh quite a hun- quite a few hundred left. We have a lot left frozen there. that we're gonna use later. But it's it was a good night. You actually you nailed it, Mike. That's exactly what it is. Just for an opportunity for. Actually, it's an opportunity for the law enforcement to build a positive relationship with yeah. the community. And I think that happened.
1: It was good. Dude, dude did you see when uh, the officer with the the canine unit came out and did the demonstration with the canine?
0: Yeah, that was a little uh, intimidating,
1: it was, actually. It was kind of intense. I had a little girl, uh, one of our elders' granddaughters, okay. sitting right next to me. And the first time the dog ran and, and tackled the cadet and bit yeah. her arm, uh, this little girl, who in the past has like, hesitated to give me a hug. Yeah, like She crawled up into my arm arms and would not let go. She was a little overwhelmed by it.
0: That makes sense because you think it's like we see canine units and you forget that they're trained to take down assailants. And that was that's what they were demonstrating. And that dog did a good job. <laughs> and uh, what was kind of nerve wracking <laughs> was that the cadet, right, the 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 girl who was representing the assailant, she kept yelling like realistic things, but like, hey, get your dog off me. Get your dog off me. And like yeah. it just like playing the part
1: yeah it was unnerving so i i uh, wasn't planning on sharing this but i've actually met that officer oh really before you have as well you might not remember him but uh we had a um a door malfunction or something i think it was christmas eve okay after our christmas eve services and you and i we got called to the pacific way campus at like 1 a.m and there was a window open and there was the door wide open and we ended up having to call the police department and the police came. Do you remember that night? Oh, yeah. And they brought the canine unit and they had their assault rifles and they go in through the yeah, door.
0: I actually have pictures of that. But yeah. they,
1: they, That dude, he yelled. I mean, they yelled like, Longview Police Department, come out. We will find you, canine unit. And then they just released their dog. Fortunately, yeah. no one was in there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was intense. But the, what I remember, I remember the, the one officer because the dog actually... Urinated on a garbage can in our building.
0: Yes, I remember this now. But yeah. the
1: officer came out and he, it was pretty cool because he said, "Hey guys, uh, all is clear, but I got to go back in there." And he actually cleaned it up and yeah. and really just I, I don't know. It was impressive to me. Yeah, that,
0: very professional. What
1: they did, not only taking care of the building and securing it, but like, hey, I'm just responsible for my dog, and here's what it did, and I'm going to take care of it. It was yeah. I don't know. It it gave me a good impression of our police department.
0: Oh man, I did I didn't recognize. We've had so many engagements with the police because of our alarms around here. I did recognize a couple of the officers. So I was like, yeah. "Oh, I walked the building with you this time or this yeah. other time." But yeah, I, that was an exciting night when we had the canine unit at fun. our church. But yeah, it was good. To, I didn't realize we knew him. That's that's cool. We, uh, we had a really good experience. I loved seeing how many people from our church turned out to pass out yep. things. But I also loved how many people came out, to honestly, honestly, to sh- support the, uh,
1: the local law enforcement. There was a huge valley showing of, of valley people just hanging out with each other and yeah. hanging out with other people. Engaging. Handing out those preparedness yeah. guides. It, it, was a, it was a win.
0: Yeah. I think that was good. I know the, the police were appreciative. I actually got, their, uh, I got a card from their PR lady because they want my help. Because uh, I made that video, yeah, and uh, they asked me to help with them next year. So I think I'm gonna try to carve out some time to do that. that yeah. Actually, a funny story because I think you mentioned this in the podcast last week, or it was during this time. Yeah, you mentioned like, the, like me being a YouTuber or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the funniest thing was we had some I'm assuming Gen Z kids walking around the the park, and I guess they saw me with my camera, and the kid, the guy, just got super excited. And ran up to me and goes, oh my gosh, hey, are you a YouTuber? Are you a YouTuber? And I was like, I instantly, my gut reaction was to shut that down. I was like, no, I'm not. I just make videos. I don't know why I I reacted so strongly that way, but I could tell that this kid was crushed.
1: You could have made his day, man. I I think I could have, but. He was not there to see the officers. He was there to find you.
0: I guess. I guess. Which I have a follow-up story, actually. So. I crushed that kid because he was like, oh, because I wanted a selfie with you, but I mean, you're not a YouTuber. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not. And he walked away. but I was like, oh, that was weird. And I thought you would appreciate that story. But speaking of YouTube, uh, this last weekend, I ran my third Spartan race. Yeah. And while I was tying my shoes, this guy walked up to me. and he goes, hey, man, it's nice to meet you. I saw your video about the Spartan race. Really excited to actually meet you in person. I'll see you in the race or whatever. I didn't know who this guy was, but apparently if you Google Portland Spartan race, my video is the first one that pops up on the YouTube. You
1: are a YouTuber. So so
0: I guess I am a YouTuber now. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Uh, so National Night Out happened and that that was, it was a really cool thing. I think next year we're definitely going to build that up. I think we're going to, we had some, uh. Uh, face painting happening, but it didn't happen until later. I think next year we're going to have some games and stuff for families and kids. It's going to be great.
1: Definitely took some notes on how to be a, even more service yeah. there and, and have a even stronger presence for really the Lord, the church, but really just for the community yeah. to, to serve them.
0: And I'm honestly, I'm super, super thankful to everybody who helped out. Not just the actual passing out of the things, but the setup and the teardown and then the putting away of all of our stuff. That, it was nice to have such a modular team to just show up take care of things it was good
1: they were eager to jump in yeah. and just get after it yeah we could talk about that all day but we could it was good I do want to
0: talk about though before we jump into our topic camp because your son came back my brother came back and for both of them it was their first camp experience yep I've heard horror stories and I've heard stories of victory yeah so what what did you hear from, from your son?
1: Jay loved it. I good. mean, there were some things about it. That he was like, this was not good. And okay. that he did not like really, uh, I think some organizational things or whatever, but you know, everyone's a critic, but the cool thing for me as a dad, as a, a preacher, as a pastor, I, I just started to like kind of, a. Uh, Scratching it. Hey, would you learn a little bit? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Jay does this thing where he actually he'll do this when I preach too. He he draws out the message, so he'll kind of like comic out. That's cool. Um, and and kind of like you know people call it like doodling or journaling, yeah. Yeah. all that. But but he's pretty good at it, and and he's really imaginative. And so he did that for a handful of the messages and and took some really good notes. But it was cool for me to hear that Jay resonated with the speaker. Uh, the speaker, you know, Jay. Jay heard the gospel from the speaker and it was wonderful as a dad that, you know, Jay hears it from me all the time. He hears it from me more than anywhere else yet to have him hear the same gospel message from this other guy was really, really cool. Plus, you know, Jay's got this thing where he doesn't laugh at my jokes because they're dad jokes. Like he, <laughs> he refuses. And so Jay, I guess he said, yeah, I really like that speaker. He was actually funny. I'm like my dad. And so that was a, you know, <laughs> humbling experience for dad, but, but it, very encouraged for me just okay. to know my son's being engaged on a spiritual level in a really meaningful way. Um, even though my jokes really, they are good. They're, they're insightful. They're, they're clever. <laughs>
0: they're well-written. There's many layers to them. They're like, no, onions, no, I don't even, so.
1: I don't even write them. I just make them up as I go. Okay. You know, it's a classic dad <laughs> so joke. Good at
0: improv. Awesome. So my brother had a really good experience while he was at camp as well. I, it's encouraging for me to see him be discipled even though he's serving. Mm -hmm. I think there are times when people, they'll go to an event or they they think they reach this this part of their faith where now that they're serving, they're not really being discipled. But the truth is God's still discipling us even when we serve. Absolutely. And so for Alex to go, yeah, he was part of the discipleship of your son and all the other kids who are going. But through that experience, he's also learning he, he's he's growing in that. He's becoming more and more of a follower of Jesus just mm-hmm. by living out his faith. Yep. And it, it was encouraging to hear the reports of what he had to struggle with and what was overcome, and just how they learned how they came together as a team. Him and, and the other ministry leaders. So it it was it's an amazing experience. I, I we were talking. Uh, it'd be cool to see if we can get uh, some of like maybe Vinny and Mindy to come on later. That'd be awesome. And just to kind of share some stories. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I can connect with them and maybe they can record something and I'll add it to the end of this episode or something like, like that as a, as a camp report. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try that. So Mike, I'd like to transition now into our topic for the day. Now we have been going through Mark Deaver's nine marks of a healthy church. And this isn't, uh, there's a, a disclaimer that we've been using, you know, this, these, these aren't hard and fast rules. Is that what we're saying there? The, this content was developed, for church planters. Yeah,
1: right? this is not yeah. a chapter out of the Bible that says here's the nine marks of a healthy church. Right. This is a systematic understanding of of ecclesiology, of how the church is run, saying what are the, the healthy marks as we pull out of scripture that seem to be very obvious, like these are the, the things a healthy church does. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so today, the third chapter, or the third mark of this book is the gospel. The A, a mark of a healthy church is they're about the gospel. Now, we, as a podcast, we actually have already talked about what the gospel is. As a matter of fact, that's actually the very first episode we ever recorded. You can go back in time or on, on the track list and, and listen. If you could go back in time, that'd be awesome. Because someone, if you can do that, listener, let me know. I have some things I want to undo. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, for those of us still, still living here in 2019 without that technology, you can go back in our playlist and listen to the first episode and we talk about what the gospel is. With that said, uh, Mike, I actually thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about what a gospel-centered church looks like, but, but I guess more of what are the easy pitfalls for a church with good intentions to lean too hard into. Sometimes uh, in, in, in my training, we use the word excess, that the things that we're about to talk about are not bad things, but sometimes there are things that a church does and all of a sudden now that, that's become the cornerstone or that's become the identity of that church. And though they use words like gospel, they're not really,
1: they've kind of walked away from their first love. Does that make sense? Yeah. They, yeah. they, they sidestep the actual message of the gospel yeah. and the, the even methods of the gospel mm-hmm. to conform to a more pragmatic view of ministry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so again, sir, anybody listening to this, I, I want to stress like what we're saying, uh, is not, is not that these are bad things, but they can be in excess that I think we need to, people need to be aware of it. And as a healthy church, as people who are looking to be faithful to the word and to the, to the Lord, that we are constantly kind of, you know, watching out to make sure that we're, we're not going too far one direction. So actually, you, you brought up the idea of, uh, pragmatic practices. So I actually want to talk about that. The first, the first uh, area of excess that a church can fall into is just uh, a church. That's just all about programming being a, just being a church in general. Right. Uh, When I think of classic churches or church programs, what what comes to your mind, Mike?
1: Oh yeah. Like, uh, you've got a program for everything. So everything is structured. Everything is systematized. And so, you know, it goes beyond the youth ministry program and the children's program. Um, You have a Sunday school program and people got to be involved in that. If that's, you know, if they're maturing, um, you know, that goes so far as to, you have a choir program, you have a music program, you have a drama program. Everything is this, a ministry program that is designed typically to, to meet people's needs, to attract them so that the church seems like a fun happening place with they can cater their needs.
0: Yeah. And that's, it's so structured and the, I guess the excess there, again, the programs aren't bad, but the, 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 excess there sometimes is that we become about an individual program that we're not willing to let it go in the favor of maybe seeing the gospel be furthered in a, in a more efficient way. Um, that when I think about programming, I think about classic churches in the nineties, at least when I started at- attending Southern Baptist churches was, you know, Sunday school, then Sunday service, then go home and sleep for a little bit. Then there was Sunday night service Mm. and then you waited for midweek. And during midweek, there was a kids program and there was a, uh, a, 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 a prayer night or like a corporate prayer meeting, quote unquote. And then there was youth group. And then there was visitation somewhere in the week as well, and you just did it all over again. So spirituality then is defined by the, the things you attend, right? Right. And again, those things aren't bad because programs like programs are typically attempts to meet uh, a scriptural mandate, right? We do youth group happens because we're trying to disciple teenagers. We have we're about to launch a midweek children's ministry program because we're looking to disciple children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, those aren't bad things. But I think what what churches can run into sometimes is that if they're all about a program, sometimes they make that program be the identity of the church. For example, we as a church, um, we were really big on vacation Bible school, Mm -hmm. but we dared to ask the question, hey, is there a different and more efficient way to connect with children throughout the summer? And so we tried something different. I can think of other churches that I've been a part of that if we even dared to ask the question, if we should try something different, people would have been ran out of the church. Yeah. Because it becomes a sacred cow. VBS Uh, becomes a sacred cow, right? Like, how dare you question this? But
1: it's not about the program. It's the principle. So the program then becomes the authority instead of the word of God and the mission that we've been given, right? Yeah, Yeah. As defined in the word of God.
0: Yeah, exactly. And or another example of what you just said is. When I was in college, we had a uh, a case study of a, of a church that we went and we saw uh, an Awanas program that had been around since like the 80s. And this church was like, that was their bread and butter. They had been doing Awanas for so long. But that church now, it was so lackluster that there was hardly anyone attending. And just the idea of them closing down Awanas was Unfathomable, yeah,
1: even though they probably didn't have enough volunteer or you know, leaders for it exactly the ones that were leading it were probably overextended and stressed, and
0: yeah, and and they were it was just a terrible situation, but they did not want to cut that out because they glory like they they were scared or they were it was just this change. So, I I don't know, I, I think it's easy for churches to to fall into this program mindset that they're you know, we have to have a choir presentation or we have to have. Visitation. We have to have all these things, and programs are good, but the gospel is dynamic, and we should be allowed to continue to, I don't know, recontextualize our approaches for different generations and for different people groups. So, another excess that I have written down is uh, social justice, social programs, I guess. Um, Being who I am, I guess, in the churches I've been a part of, man. The homeless are an amazing example of programs that churches are they, they'll get behind because the Bible talks about we should we should care for the orphans and for the homeless and, and take care of them. Right. Good things. But sometimes that can become the identity of a church. And we we we, we go to help at all costs. And sometimes we enable as opposed to actually pre- preach the gospel. Yeah. I. It, I, I don't know. I feel bad saying that, but do you kind of get what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying about I, that?
1: I really do understand what you're saying. And I think that it's, it, there, there's a tension here because the Bible does speak to this and, and we want to actively engage in serving the needs of a community, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of it. But I think if we play into making that the be all end all, we, we, we help someone get housing, we help someone get food, um, then we're, we kind of get pigeonholed into this, honestly, like operating out of guilt Right. And that's where some of the conversations around, you know, like, uh, well, don't you really love me if you're not going to help me? And then how do you really love me? And, you know, well, maybe sometimes love is actually saying something true to that person more than just, you know, enabling uh, irresponsible behavior. Yeah. Now I, I I say that as someone who is willing to extend grace and willing to go the extra mile and willing to help someone, but also not as someone who is willing to be guilted into it or even do that without a strong connection to the gospel saying, this is, we're doing this because of who Jesus is and what he's done. And, and we're doing this in part to show you who Jesus is so that you will believe in Jesus, you will repent, you will turn from your sin and be saved. Like you will trust the gospel and live within the gospel instead of abuse the the benefit that the gospel brings right. to society. Yeah. And the
0: we kind of zeroed in on, on on homelessness there. And again, I, I feel like I have to keep repeating this. We're not saying these things are bad in and of themselves. But kind of like what you just said, a church can be pigeonholed. Into something that's not necessarily the gospel, and then who's who who's being the church yeah. if we're or, if we trapped in something like that?
1: There's a huge conversation uh, on about race right now nationally yeah. and, and how churches interact with that and, yeah. and what it looks like. And is is there racism? Yeah, is, is racism wrong? Yeah, is is partiality is wrong? Like absolutely, yeah, that should be wrong. But but the gospel uh, is applied to that in in clear ways that say, first of all we actually all are one race, mm-hmm. right? Because we all descend from Adam and Eve, which means even if we have different melatonin in our skin, uh, or melanin. melanin in our skin.
0: Melatonin I, is what causes you to sleep. But I yeah. should take some
1: more of that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> regardless of our skin color, we are all God's image bearers created by him. Yeah. And so we shouldn't treat each other with partiality, right? Um, which means we should do everything we can to, to help each other and to share the gospel with everyone regardless of uh, color, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the gospel touches on those things and it's not that we're saying we should never talk about social issues, but we should be talking about social issues in conjunction to the gospel because it'd be really easy to suddenly become very political and have that whatever social issue be the one agenda and we just beat that drum. Yeah. But if we do that, I feel like, and this might be controversial. I don't know. I feel like social justice is an important thing, but I also think that we fight because a new heaven and a new earth is coming. And we have to let people know that the end is coming and that the gospel needs to be heard and responded to. And if we spend all of our time only doing one thing, whatever topic you want to hit, we are fighting for a better boat that's going down anyway. Yeah. That's a perspective. I, I, there's some
1: flaws in that. Well, and you have to wrestle with what is justice, right? Yeah. Because so much of the social justice conversation is being shaped by people defining justice however they want versus recognizing justice is all of us are sinners that stand before holy God and justice is that we all perish eternally before him. Yeah. Um. That, that That's justice. Yeah right and so when we start to replace the gospel with this idea of social justice and it, in doing that we without even realizing it could be um, weakening the foundation that we're trying to stand on saying what are we really about with the gospel yeah yeah it's interesting this wasn't our planned conversation and typically conversation is controversial you want to think through them and nuance them a little bit more. But at the end of the day, I think what we're saying is we have to be careful not to get caught up in what the culture is saying is important. Yeah. Not get caught up in what the needs around us might look like in such a way that that ends up overshadowing the message of the gospel mm-hmm. and the priority of the gospel. I think that's what we're trying to say.
0: You know, what's interesting you're talking about the culture and stuff. I think about, we talked about church programs and I think we kind of tied that to uh, pragmatism and there is, I feel this need or this pressure sometimes from uh, church strategists to have just to be incredibly pr- pr- uh, pragmatic. And I feel pressure from them to make sure that our church has, that we have a welcome center, that we have all these things, that we have people who are greeters and, and, and doing all these things. And then I also feel pressure from people who are outside the church who are yelling at me at what the church should be about, whether it should be about uh, the homeless or it should be about, you know, helping the quote unquote evil people and making them good people because someone doesn't understand the gospel and, and all these pressures. And what we're saying is like at the end of the day, we're about the gospel and it's going to be counter, counter cultural to a lot of stances. Mm -hmm. And again, what we've brought up today, these are excesses. these things are not necessarily bad, but we can get lost in these things so
1: easily. The gospel will touch on those things, but those things can't replace the gospel, right? Exactly.
0: And actually, and here's one that's pretty close to home. Um, The last, or one of the last uh, excesses I have is just the worship experience itself. A lot of times I will meet people who feel like the church, the service should be this, this inspirational, motivational, just awe-dropping experience. And so we manipulate what we can to make that experience happen. Mm -hmm. I, I I see its place. Maybe not the manipulation, that's probably too strong of a word. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know. I, I try really hard to get away from the idea that church services is church. Because it's not. I, I think hearing and proclaiming the word of God is important. But church is, the church is the body of Christ. And that's just an aspect of church. And for people to come to like, hey, we need to just make sure that when people show up that they are, they're energized that they feel like they hear a good song or we have lights, we have a fog machine, we have the best and the trendiest things happen. we have a coffee shop and, you know, happening and everything's just really comfortable. I think we've, it's really easy to lose track of why we're doing all that to begin with. Yeah. Cause it's not about someone showing up and being excited. It's not.
1: Yeah. You're, what I'm hearing you say is when we do a worship service is our target audience man or is it God? Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think what we do is we, we, Again, we replace the gospel if our target audience of a worship service is to make man feel good and to make man feel empowered and to make man feel like they're, they've got it all figured out uh, because w- when that's your, your purpose that lessens the gospel, Yeah, the gospel properly displayed at a worship service means God's the center. God and His holiness and His righteousness and His beauty and His glory and His majesty and His love and His justice, all of these things combined, and we obviously don't highlight all of it at once, that's impossible, but we highlight that and we say, in God's holiness, where do we stand before Him? Or, we're a wretch. And yet, He sent His Son Jesus to die for us and be resurrected, and because of that, we have forgiveness and new life. That's the gospel proclamation of a church service. Yeah. And
0: that, man... You know, if you take the time to just meditate on that, whatever spiritual highs you're looking for, or whatever, I feel like they come from that. I don't have to sing these really intricate songs to just know that God is good. I, I think worship is a response to His goodness, but taking the time to really think about the gospel and to meditate on that, I think is far more—it's incredible. and I don't say more powerful, but it is, it is a powerful thing that doesn't need to be manipulated. Mm-hmm. It just takes the time. It just takes time to sit down and just consider the goodness
1: of God. Yeah. You you, you know, allow your, your soul to meditate, right? We've talked about that word a lot lately in our Psalm series to meditate. This is, it's constantly on your mind and on the tip of your tongue and, and on the front of your lips. Like this is just, this is part of who you are now. Right. And so a worship service, a gospel centered, one, a God centered one does that, it reminds us of who God is and what he's done and the power of his word. And, And you know what? You can, you can have that happen simply by reading the scripture yeah. without light machines and lasers or whatever else you mentioned. Like you can do that by, by singing about who Jesus right. is and his death and resurrection. A lot of times during, uh, you know, as we're planning a service and I don't have a, a song that comes to my mind that connects directly with the text, I'll just tell our worship leader and say, just sing about who Jesus is and what he's mm-hmm. done. As many songs as we can fit into the service that, that speak of who Jesus is and what he's done or, or or highlight a characteristic of God that that's a worship service. Yeah.
0: You know, and it'd be easy for me to start beating up on, on production and stuff. And I'm not saying production is bad because I think I'm a techie at heart. And I, as a kid, I loved that. I got to contribute a gift or a talent that God had given me just by running a computer and PowerPoint. And I got to contribute. I'm not playing an instrument or anything like that, but I'm contributing to the surface. And I think if there are people who have that gifting, that ability, that vision, and to be able to give towards it, I think that's, that's a great thing. But I think the excess that I, I think we're referring to here is when it's, we're only doing this because we want to, to facilitate the latest and greatest, because that's just what churches do now.
1: Because we want to be cool, and we yeah. want to be attractional, and we want to be, you know, something that people feel really comfortable coming to.
0: Yeah, and that's not the gospel.
1: It's not. Yeah, we want you to feel welcome. We want you to feel loved. We want you to feel like there's a place for you. For sure. But at the end of the day, it's not about you. Yeah. It's about uh, a crucified and risen Savior. Yeah. So, Mike, I have one more excess. I don't know if there's anything else that
0: you wanted to, to bring up or anything. Okay. So, the last one is actually kind of one of my favorites because I kind of fell in. Well, I, at some point in my life, I fall into all of these. But uh, this one, I think I was the the strongest. in, And that's just being um, a church that is exclusive and what i mean by exclusive is that they are intentionally trying very hard to exclude others because they are they're not part of the world and so they've actually built barriers between them and the rest of them. Like they are they're different they they they're just that staunch religious person that's letting everyone know that they're wrong and they're going to hell and that they, they have it right. And, but when you attend their church, man, it is just hard to be a part of that church because they're just holier than thou, 100%. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, I, I bring this up because I remember like there was a time period in my life that once, uh, once I started following Jesus and I started to learn what was right and what was wrong, I just cut out a bunch of people, people, <laughs> and, and things, but mainly people, in my life because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a follower in Jesus. Now I I can't be your friend. You know, if we're going to,
1: you're a follower of Jesus, you can't be a friend of sinners.
0: It's right. (laughs) That's, that's, that was my (laughs) mantra. Right. And, uh, man, looking back at that, like I was an idiot. I mean, like, I I think there is, there are some people, I think that it, it makes sense in this situation. Like, Hey, if you're an alcoholic, probably don't hang out with other alcoholics if you're a recovering alcoholic and stuff. But I also think you don't have to be a jerk. Right about that kind of stuff, and that's that's what I'm kind of getting at. There are churches that they pride themselves in being small and being different. Yep, than everyone else,
1: unapproachable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had uh, I remember for years, some some years, one of the houses we we lived in. We had some neighbors that were very very religious, and my parents. I've, I've shared the story on here. They're not at all, and uh, I remember the things my parents would say about the 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 looks. And the things that would be said to them, and the, the feeling of judgment my parents would would receive from these these neighbors, and uh, that stuck in me. You know, like I, I remember how uh, how of a, huge of a turnoff it was toward anything God, you know, and you know, we've got to be on on guard from that, right? Yeah. That doesn't mean we go and look like the world, but but we can be holy and be very open and hospitable and and caring to the world yeah
0: there's there is a level of we are we are we are holy in the sense that we are called to a higher standard but we're also called to engage the world around us and so we have to do so in a way that honors god and it doesn't exclude his 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 creation
1: yeah be salt and light right yeah be an ambassador for Christ. Exactly, those are the pictures in the scripture,
0: mm-hmm. and it's it's too easy to feel like, man, I just want to hang around the people that I can just be, be comfortable around. I'm not challenged by what they wear, what they say, or what the things that they do. It, it'd be really easy to be part of. We've uh, Christian culture is often like, uh, often called it the the holy huddle, and we need to get out of that. Right. Yeah. So I. Again, like we are called to be different, but not. We're also called to be salt and light. Mm -hmm. And so, when churches are too excessively leaning into just being different, we're not preaching the gospel. That's right. You know, we're not being missionaries. We're not. We're not doing. There's a lot of things we're not being at the at the quote unquote cost of being this one thing that the Bible says. Mm -hmm. You know, so i I I brought I brought this list because I was thinking. You know, we were going to talk about the gospel again. But these are excesses of a church and I think any person can fall too hard into one of these areas. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for me, I'm constantly trying to check myself like, man, am I being, you know, am I being too pragmatic about both programs? Am I not allowing the spirit of God to work on something
1: or. So in that, these are the dangers. Um, you know, as we were talking, I, I brought up, uh, a book that I recently started reading. It's called a gospel driven church. And it kind of made me mad when the book came out because we had uh, recently said we are a gospel driven church and we we are in in the process of learning what that means to the other more and more. And that's been Mm -hmm. really fun. And then, you know, someone came out with a book that had that title, like, come on, come on. Right. Yeah. But uh, in it, it's been so helpful because he really lines out is by Jared Wilson. He lines out uh, the difference between a a pragmatic church Mm -hmm. That really does everything it can to attract as many people as possible, um, and then a, a church that is healthy based on the gospel. And in one of the chapters, he he actually talks about Jonathan Edwards, and Ed, Jonathan Edwards had a list of of deeper measurements that uh, show a church that's really successful beyond how many people are coming and what's our budget look like and how mm-hmm. nice is our building. And I thought it'd be worthwhile. I mean, we talk through these, I guess, dangers or excesses. What, yeah. what are what are the with the things we really want to see as a church that focuses on the gospel. And I, I, this list is, I I find it powerful. I find it convicting. I find it encouraging and challenging. But his first thing is he says uh, a growing esteem for Jesus. And he's talking about your church as a whole, the people in your church visibly have a, a growing affection and desire and love for Jesus we talk about Jesus more. We think about Jesus more. We're looking more and more like Jesus because of it. Jesus really is. He, he, he is king. He is Lord. He is our savior. And his affection for us is so huge because of his death and resurrection, because yeah. of his presence, that our affection for him is it's constantly growing. And so I, I wonder, like, what, would, what does it look like to see that at Valley? What do you think? Yeah.
0: All right. I think it's exactly what that is. Though. It's the, the, you just hear the name of Jesus more often. It's, there's a, there are people are openly talking about Jesus a lot more and more. Uh, I would, uh, there is an affection for Jesus. I know that, but we are, we as a church are growing. Mm-hmm. And just like in any church, um, you're going to have brand new believers. And as these believers grow, and I would love to see them talk more and more about Jesus. Actually, that's, that's, <clears throat> I'll share this. I love there's a couple months ago I was driving my brother and I were going up to Seattle to visit my mom and I love seeing where he's been in his own walk and then for him to be able to talk about what God is doing and his appreciation for the gospel and the seeing now that man I am a broken person and I'm so thankful that for the grace of God and that language has changed in him and that that he and it's not he's not just saying it because he hears other people talking about this but it actually means something to him I think for valley that's that's what happens. Mm-hmm.
1: That's what I would love to see more and more as people are becoming more and more affectionate. Reminds me of the Valley United. Yeah. When we had uh, not only the baptisms where these people were talking about Jesus, but then also uh, we had some testimony time. People just shared, here's what God, God's doing in my life. And, and that time was a time of people just saying, Jesus is amazing. Right? Yeah. So we don't got to spend a ton of time on each of these. But the second one, he, he talks about a discernible spirit of repentance. And this is something you and I have had a ton of conversation about, yeah. right? Because uh, repentance is not a one-off thing. I've, I've repented for my sin and now I just, you know, whatever uh, I'm living now in my life, repentance is continual. It's daily. It's right. it's uh, a light. The Christian life is a life of repentance. Right. Seeing our sin and then turning from it over and over again and turning from that same sin over and over again even, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, he says a growing uh, esteem for Jesus a discernible spirit of repentance. Third is a dogged devotion to the word of God. And, and I actually think this is something we're seeing in Valley more and more.
0: Oh yeah, for more sure. More people
1: are reading the word. We had that Bible study seminar. We've probably got to do another one before too long. Uh, every week someone else is telling me, Oh, I just started doing the Valley Bible reading plan and they're, awesome. they're reading more. And, and this devotion to God's word to know it, to live it, to obey it. I, I think that starts with us. Mm-hmm. That starts with our elders. That starts with the leaders at Valley loving God's word and reading it and, and obeying it and meditating on it and thinking it. And the more we do it, the more it comes out of our speech and just our natural conversation. Right. Right. And the more that lands in the hearts and minds of our people. So yep. that's the, the third one. The fourth one, he says an interest in theology and doctrine. And I like this is fourth because this isn't like the first one. Like, okay, I'm, right. I'm all interested in theology and doctrine, but I'm interested in this. This is this is important to me. I, I want to have my beliefs match the scripture. Right. I don't want to just believe you, what you say folk theology or, mm-hmm. or the, the latest, greatest idea. I, I right. want to believe what the Bible actually teaches.
0: And it makes sense that that would be four, especially after a, a love for the word of God. Can you imagine loving theology, but not loving the word of God? That's a possible, that's a possibility, mm-hmm. but the, the word of God is authoritative and we want biblical theology. So anyways, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, this next series, we're going to, one of our titles for one of our messages, Doctrine Matters. Mm-hmm. And it does. Yeah. Have you ever had a time in your life where you, you've learned a new truth and it's corrected a, a wrong belief and that's shifted the way you live?
0: Dude, That that happened a lot in my Bible college years, but I feel like that's still happening Mm -hmm. all the time. That's, that's, I feel like that should be always happening. Yeah. Right. That you, as, as truth is being not refined, but like being, you're learning more and more of it. These other assumptions that you came up with or wherever they're being corrected. Exactly. Right. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. If you've been attending church for Years and you've never been challenged by it, you're probably not listening then, or you're in a terrible church. I'll just, is, that's, yeah. that's how I see that.
1: I mean, we both preach, and and you know what it's like when you preach and you're, you're prepping and you're studying yeah. the passage, and the passage is just, it's convicting to us, yeah, and it challenges us and it changes our behavior before we even step into the pulpit, right, and that's. You know, and so I think this is part of what he's saying here: is this interest in theology and doctrine is changing the lives of people. Um, and the last one, he says, an evident love for God and neighbor. And so this is not just internal focused. This is not just oh, I love God's word and I read God's word by myself with yeah. my holy huddle. This is a a love for God and then a love for others that spills out into serving other believers. It spills out into reaching our neighbors and our community and and being a proclaimer and an ambassador of the gospel in, in our tribes that we live in and our day-to-day lives, that's part of it. Right. And so this is in my, I guess not even my mind, cause this isn't my mind. This is Edwards mind written, you know, a hundred years ago, yeah. few, a few hundred years ago. And what is he saying? This is what a gospel driven church looks like. This is how to measure a healthy gospel understanding and activity in your church.
0: And that is universal. Those things I, the, that's that's good I love that we started with you know here are some excesses things that like we can go too far and again not that they're bad but we can go too far in and, and then here are the markers of a gospel driven church or a gospel centered church that's that's pretty cool um I hope that's that's edifying for people who are listening because I do think when you're a member of a church we should be on guard to make sure that we are not you know not ready to fight each other but just making sure like man Am I about the right things? Are we about the right things? Cause I don't want to miss out what God's trying to do in and through us. And when we try to force God's hand or we try to force an agenda, man, we're missing out. Yeah. On what God's doing. So, well, Mike, I think, uh, I think we've reached the end of this episode.
1: Yeah. I, I've got one more thought. For that. Okay. Yeah. And, on me. And as we talk about, it, this is what it looks like to be a church driven by the gospel. It, it, I think it's pretty obvious. This is what it looks like to be a person driven by the gospel. Exactly right, yeah. and so I think a, a listener, or even you and I, as as we think through these items, we should be asking ourselves not not just is my church characterized by these things, but we should be saying to ourselves, "Am I growing in my esteem for Jesus, Mike, Pastor, mm-hmm. whatever? Right? Am I loving Jesus more, thinking about Him more, more obsessed with Him in His ways, and obeying Him? Yeah. Do I have a discernible spirit of repentance? Am, am I humble? Or am I arrogant or am I, you know, that guy that says, you know, I, well, I'm the pastor. I do everything right. How can I be coming called into question? No, no, I, I mess up. You correct me. I correct you. Mm-hmm. Like, this is part of what I, I love about this friendship. Like we, we, we can do that to each other. We can yeah. say that's actually not accurate or, or that's not the best way to do it. And, right. Okay. Let me turn away from that. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's not in line with God's heart and God's character. Yeah. Am I growing in a dogged devotion to the word of God? Yes. Am I reading it more or am I reading it less? Am I missing more days or am I picking it up in those off moments where I have a little bit of time? What am I going to? Am I going to Facebook? Am I going mm-hmm. to social media or am I saying I, I've got 20 minutes? I can read. I can read them. from the word of yeah. God. And then the next one is interest in theology and doctrine. I, I would love to see our church as a whole and individuals saying, what, what, where should I start or what's something I could read? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think you start with the word and, and allow the word to start to, fill your theology understanding. Yeah. Um, and the last one is, do I love God and do I love my neighbor? Or is this really just about me and me looking holy and me looking good? Right. And so I guess that's my final word is Is these are marks for a church, but a church is just a bunch of individuals that mm-hmm. that are part of that church. And so yeah. these are marks for a person.
0: They are. And it's, if, we, if we as a church, as Valley, are trying to be a gospel-centered church, that means we need individuals asking themselves, are they gospel driven are they gospel centered and I, I have to ask myself that you have to ask yourself that and that's going to be very important so as we reach the end there is a lot that was said here and I think if people have comments or they have questions or they would like some resources they can reach us at uh, podcast at vcflongview.org in the episode description you should actually see a lot of contact information if you have any questions we would love to hear from you uh, Mike do you have anything else that you would like to share before we wrap up No,
1: I'm looking forward to next week.
0: Yeah. So next week we're going to be talking about a biblical view of conversion. That's right. Right. And that's going to be interesting. So that'll be good. All right. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the about 40 minutes that we've been uh, chit-chatting. Hope you all have a great day.